Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller. I'm Susie Younger. An African-American licensed psychotherapist. I'm also a licensed therapist. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias. Anything that marginalizes and oppresses. As a white woman, I ask the questions white people are too afraid to ask. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, Susie and I will have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Our next guest, Traversia Sparkles. Traversia has become a TikTok sensation and is a gifted human. Traversia uses social media platforms for honesty and justice and unapologetically calls out hypocrisy. Traversia speaks on social justice issues surrounding intersections of race, class, sex, and gender. Traversia is a real truth teller who rocks a really gorgeous red lip. We're so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so as I said before we got on, I've been doing a little stalkership of you since you started blowing up on TikTok. And just really fascinated by your personality and everything you bring to the table. So the first question is, who who were you 10 years ago? Oh, who, gosh. Who and where were you? Well, 10 years ago, I was modeling. I was uh, fresh out of high school. I couldn't afford college. I could only afford college later when I turned 26 because of Obama, you know, changing the age to where I could still be dependent. I am 33. So before that, I didn't think that I would even go to school. Okay. So I modeled. I was a model. And then talk to us, talk us through 26 on. Just give us an idea of the next, what, 10 years? I'm bad at math, really. I can't think that quickly. Seven. <laughs> Seven. Thank you. <laughs> so the, so the my back, yeah. After that, after uh, you got into college. Oh, okay. Well, well, now I'm here. I've been here since I went to a community college first. Okay. Okay. And I did very well there. Spent two years there, transferred to UC Berkeley, did my second two years there, went homeless because Berkeley is the number one most expensive college town to live in in the United States. And I spent my second part of my semester on the streets. I was part of a student documentary. Because of that student documentary, light was shown on my issues of inaccess and homelessness. As a result of that happening, I realized the power of, of social media for telling stories because that had happened to me. And that was the reason why I got out of my situation. And because I see so many Black Americans specifically comprising the vast majority of people living in those situations in the United States, just from what I saw on the streets, I can't not talk on the things that I've learned having had that happen for me. That's amazing and sad and amazing all in the same uh, sentence. That's really something. So talk us through the TikTok about the letter to your 17-year-old self. That was extremely powerful. Wow. Okay. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, my mother died when I was 17. It was quite traumatic <laughs> because I was home alone with her at the time and I was the one who walked in on, on her dead. It's still okay. a <laughs> Yeah, no. As well I, uh, as good. She was, she was an, an amazing person. Mm. She, she was so afraid 
I think. She's very, she's very afraid of, um, for me because I had these ideas, you know, <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> she, she was like, especially my involvement in, in, in queer politics and, and things like that, even then. And she was so afraid for me. And she's very hard. She's a very hard woman. Mm-hmm. And she treated me hard and it made me hard as well. But her passing made me soft. Mm, wow. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, you out there need to go see that TikTok. It's amazing. It's so well done. A beautiful tribute to your mom. And I'm sure she's just incredibly proud of you. How could she not be? You're an amazing human being. Thank you. Sincerely. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and go back to the homelessness. You were talking about being homeless in your TikTok. What did it teach you exactly? I mean, I got the part about the social justice, but what did it teach you in your own growth, personal growth, emotional growth? Oh, gosh. Well, I come from a working class family and I, I feel like we are so close to poverty yes. that my folks growing up very much guarded me from it. So I didn't know that we were growing up without I think we even had a school program when I was, you know, in elementary school where they would send a group like off of a list of kids to breakfast who didn't have anything at home. So, uh, so I went in and it was kind of like secretive by my parents. Like my parents actually made it out to be like this exciting thing. Like, oh, I'm one of a select few students <laughs> to join these great. other kids at breakfast. <laughs> that's great. That's all the more reason to uh, get up earlier. So they sent us to school early. And uh, that's well, a handful of before breakfast we eat. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know. I had no concept of anything below that or even above that because that was the reality that they created for me growing up to protect me. That's so smart. How creative. But it must have been a shock when you realized it. Yes. You know, I realized it going to Berkeley when I, when I, I went to Berkeley. ask you when you realized it, the wealth, no concept, no self-awareness, absolutely mm-hmm. no self-awareness growing as a sort of working class person who honestly didn't know the name Berkeley. I was also ignorant, like socially ignorant. Uh, who are these important colleges? Why, what are they important for? An element is named after Berkeley. I, I didn't even know the name Berkeley. I was so ignorant of what more there was. And I can't imagine what that then is like with people who came from even lower situations than me. So that sort of became my focus. I forgot to talk about this other. That actually reminds me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, um, if you ask the question, it'll come up, but I don't want to overshare. But that, I think that answers the question. Yes, you did. You did. So talk about closed culture. Oh, what what is a closed culture? Yeah, I want you to explain it the way you did in the TikTok. It's awesome. I don't know the exact words that I used. No, no, but, do it in your own way. I mean, the, the people who come from the cultures, they're the ones who decide what's closed and what isn't. Yeah. And I mean, it really starts and ends with that. Uh, if there is general consensus among a group of people, a, especially if they've been racial, a racialized group of people in the United States, if they, they have every right to protect the cultures 
that they, I'm sorry, I'm losing my, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm a little bit nervous because I've never been on a podcast. No, no, take your time. Let me, let me, let me work with you, Bonnie. This is what you said. You said something to the effect that people have a right to protect their culture. Yes. Right. And so when people allow you in and share a bit of it, you should not appropriate it. You should respect it and appreciate it. That's the part that I thought was really powerful because it's yes, nuanced. It's absolutely. nuanced. It, because, because also we, we have to think about the, the socioeconomic right. aspect of it and who can even access that. So that's also important to the dialogue. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. You, you did an amazing job and you totally gave the essence of it. And that's all I wanted to hear from you again, because I love, I love how you wrapped yourself around the concept. It's really, really. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, a little, I'm a little bit unable to articulate myself right now. <laughs> I'm just so excited. JD and I actually listened to it, right? JD, like four times. We just yeah. kept playing it back and back and back. I mean, you, you use some language. Was, thank you. was it the closed culture one or the, or also, did you see the one about uh, cultural appropriation? The oh, yes. culture one that I, yeah, that was a follow-up to that one. Yes. Yes. So I'm all love the, even the sound bites from it, which is why, why I'm pulling from it for these questions. You use some powerful language. I think it's really good stuff. Thank um, you. you. You said something else about centering yourself with your voice. I wanted you to talk about what that means a little bit. Centering myself. Oh, so yes. What's interesting to me is that TikTok has this aspect where you can like duet people, right? And Mm -hmm. so I I, I prefer to duet people when I'm amplifying the voices of Black women in particular. I noticed that people have a tendency to click on my face when they see it more than if I'm not in the image. So it's almost as if I need to be centered. I need to basically talk is what it is. I acknowledge that I'm already centered. It's not so much that I'm intending for it. And ideally, all of the things that I speak on, I wouldn't be the center of focus. I wouldn't be the person that people listen to. But what inspired me to start talking on that in the first place was just my lived experiences and what I've learned and you know, also having Black siblings. So it's just what made sense. I just, this whole idea, I'm sure you know this year about you know, the whole dance things on TikTok and how the appropriation of dance concepts and creations and how then white performers or people were using it and actually making money off of it and not giving credit to the creators. So that that really resonated me, resonated with me in a particular way when I when I saw that TikTok. That was like, you know, so right on that idea of of amplifying voices, which is using your privilege responsibly, which is the name of the game. So that's pretty awesome. Okay, this is one of my favorites. Some, some of us play for survival while others play for status. Let me just say, first of all, that's genius. Thank you. Yeah. So I want you to talk about what that means to you. Well, a lot of people who have access in this world, and this is like, again, I went to the foremost expensive college <laughs> to, you know, in the United States. Mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by wealth. I was playing for survival for a very long time. And having gone to Berkeley, I see that there is upward mobility simply because of my proximity to the people who were at the top of the food chain, as it were. I had to see that. I had to witness that because without having gone to this very wealthy place, I wouldn't have ever known. Wow. Wow, that's... That's so important, this idea that it's where I don't know hides. 
you know, this I, I didn't know, I don't know. That's where it hides. Like that's where it lives. This idea of, you know, how did I, how was I supposed to know? Because we're right? all very and geographically you, you, separated also by, by class. Mm-hmm. Um, there are wealthy yes. neighborhoods. There are poor neighborhoods. There are ghettos. There's a place in Berkeley that's called the Asian ghetto because that's what everyone there calls it simply because mm-hmm. of its proximity. And, and, you know, the lines are so very close together too because at UC Berkeley, the school's so rich to walk to school, you're stepping over homeless people sometimes to get to your classes because that's, I mean, that's how short the, the, the wealth line is. Yeah. Yeah. So the people who are playing for status, do you mean that there are people who have access, but act as if they don't, is that, is that too literal or is that the concept? Maybe a little bit too literal. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. yeah no, I want to know where, where it was coming from, from you though. When you say playing for survival, I get it. I get the idea of playing for survival. You're in it. You're trying to figure it out. You're just trying to survive. That makes sense to me. And so when you put that play on it, that others are playing for status, it seems like people are trying to one-up themselves or act as if they're like everybody else who's playing for survival. And I'm wondering if that's too literal or if that's you know along the lines of what you meant. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I was trying yeah. to follow you. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think what I like about it is that it could be interpreted in different ways. And I think that's what we just figured out right now is the idea that, you know, one person could see it this way and the other person could see it that way. But in the end, it's very, very close in terms of those who are who are in it for survival. They're not playing anything. You're just trying to get through. You're just trying to make it. And I think that's what makes it so powerful. I agree with you. Okay, I see what you're saying. No, yeah. I agree. Yes, thank you. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, that's what this is all about. It's all about having a conversation and not making assumptions. And so I feel like by, you know, engaging in this, we get to sort it out in a way like my brain thinks, your brain thinks, Susie's brain thinks, and we get to, you know, sort of interpret it for ourselves. But in any case, it's still powerful. I mean, that's, that's the point. That's the bottom line. Anyway, your thoughts are very powerful. So what do you love about being in the queer community versus the LGBTQIA plus community. So you made a video about the queer community sort of in comparison to the LGBTQIA plus community. And I wanted to know. Respectability politics. Yes. It has to do with respectability politics. Okay. You want to say more about that? I think about how Marsha P. Johnson was Mm -hmm. the first black trans woman to throw a brick at, you know, in Stonewall. I believe in that some communities, like a lot of people like to speak about, oh, well, in modern day, especially, there are riots and things like that. And those pe- and then people who do who engage in that are demonized. But the reality is they're doing it because they're so frustrated they don't know what else to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Helpful. So so I, that's what I, I mean. I, queer is very anarchy in a way as opposed okay. to the more respectable, because a lot of people who are marginalized, they gain respectability by appealing to the majority and queer people don't do that. Okay. I love asking that question because I always get a different take on it. And it's really, I think pretty, you know, it's individual and uh, everybody has their their lens of what it means to them. So I think that's, that's my cool. lens. Yeah, yes. I appreciate that. Go for it, Suze. All right. Hi. Okay. First of all, Talk to us about the celebrity of being weird. Oh, God. (laughs) 
well, it's something I was bullied for my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And I find it odd that now, at this point in time, it's almost revere. My hair went from a very sore subject for me. I've got some internalized featureism I'm still working through, which is also something that I might talk about on a video. Mm-hmm. It's also, I mean, it's also painful. <laughs> Did I answer your full question? I'm sorry, I got a little bit sidetracked. No, no. talk about the pain. What makes it painful? Yes, it is, it is. I mean, I guess it is a little bit painful because it comes from a place where it's something I was bullied for. And while I'm still bullied for it now, you know, it's almost like I have to put on a show. I have to put on a costume. I have to mask. There's a lot of masking. So a lot of my delivery is very kind of monotone. I have to detach myself. That's something that's very emotional for me to be able to talk about it because it's emotional to me. Yeah, it's perfect. That makes so much sense. You said something again that JD and I were like, wait, play it again, play it again, play it again. And you talked about in academia, how they engage in class gatekeeping for the rich. Well, I went homeless at Berkeley. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was able to land wait lists from colleges that would otherwise be vastly over my league because I wrote a damn good admissions essay regarding my inaccess because academia is a very classist and wealthy institution. Professors, then, I mean, they're so wealthy as well. Administration, they're so wealthy. The ones who admit you to the colleges in the first place are so, so wealthy. They like a good poverty story so they can feel better about being rich. Mm. Mm. Wow. So speaking of academia, tell us where you are in your law school journey and why you want to be a lawyer. Is that still your goal? Oh, God, no. I... No, I no? hate lawyers. I don't want to be a lawyer. Oh. I, <laughs> I made a rough decision, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to finish. I just started my 2L. Yeah, I hate it. You did have nothing good to say about it. <laughs> maybe I, being a lawyer is different. Maybe. But I loved how courageous you were when you were sharing with us, with the viewers or whatever you call TikTok and Instagram, the fans, all about your, how you wrote a damn good paper, you, your LSATs, and just how honest you were when you would get a rejection. It was just. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, no. I performed very, very poorly on the LSATs. I got a 149, which is below the national average. It was very ironic. I'm, I'm what's known as a ultra reverse split. It's a split is where the GPA versus the LSAT is a certain distance. That was a reverse split in such a drastic direction because I was coming in to law school with a 4.02 GPA, but then such an incredibly low LSAT. And, you know, I also think that speaks a little bit to neurodivergence and standardized testing and how it's not that I'm quote unquote dumb that, you know, people have been saying (laughs) in that regard. It might just be that my brain works differently because clearly I'm good for it. Yes. I love that. And there's so much I could say personally on standardized testing myself, but I won't. Instead, I'm going to ask you what you've had to give up to be a truth teller. Oh, a lot of friends, I think. A a lot of friends. A lot of friends. (laughs) (laughs) When that happens, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, especially because that's it. It's just, you want to just tell the truth. And I mean, sometimes you're scared to tell the truth. 
so long as you're telling your truth, that's all that matters. It doesn't have to be someone else's truth. I'm just talking about my experience. I'm talking about my experience and my experience is that I am a certain kind of person and I care about certain people. Mm -hmm. Suze, do you mind if I put you on the spot to say what it was like for you to come across that? I was just going to say, I was literally just going to share. I was going to share with you that the work that I do with JD and the work that I've been introduced to and that I'm super passionate about, I've lost a lot of friends and it's okay. You know, I actually didn't even feel honestly the painfulness of it because it was just such a learning and teachable moment for me. And I continue to do this work and continue to have people say things to me that I'm like, "Mm, you know what? Now you're not on the list anymore. Yeah, but in the beginning, but in the beginning, it was hard. Oh, in the beginning, it was. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the beginning. Okay, in the beginning, it was surprising. It was actually so surprising to me. People who I thought were, you know, my my white, and we don't even use this word, allies who weren't. And we came up against it. I'm just going to even be honest and say, we've had people that were friends of mine on this podcast who, after they said certain things, asked me not to air it. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I'm going to turn it over to JD now. And thank you so much. It's been so interesting to listen to you. And we're honored. Thank you. Back to you, JD. Okay. So we have a question that we ask people. We usually we say, what does changing the narrative mean? But I, I want to ask you a slightly different version of that, which is, how do you plan to continue changing the narrative? Well, I'd like to keep doing what I'm doing. Part of me wonders if maybe I should get more involved in politics since I clearly don't want to become an attorney. Mm. Um, I'm not sure. Right now, I'm just kind of getting it all out there and speaking on the things that I see and trying to amplify the voices of other people who I agree with and align with. Mm-hmm. and take it from there. I'm, I'm hoping to cross bridges if I can and maybe heal some open wounds with what little I know because of my blind spots. You know, I can only speak on so much because I'm a white person and I have privilege in society. But I'm going to try is the short answer to your question. I'm going to keep trying. I think your humility is, is what facilitates your, your truth-telling. I, I think that that's so important. And I want people to know where they can find you. So where can they find you? Give them your handles. Sure. At Tiverja on TikTok. You can find me on Twitter as well. YouTube also, just Tiverja. Mm-hmm. Pretty much if you type in Tiverja in a search bar, I might come up. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Listen, I just want to thank you again for number one, being so incredibly flexible and so willing to come on. You said it was your first podcast like this and you're nervous. I I want you to know that your authenticity shows through. Don't worry about being nervous and, you know, not answering it exactly the way you did on TikTok. That's just going to encourage people to go watch your TikToks, which they should. (laughs) I'm very nervous and awkward. I apologize. No, listen, 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 you're doing, you're doing what you have to do to get where you want to be. I have nothing but respect for that. And again, you were great. Don't even worry about it. Thank you so much. Go check out the TikToks. You don't want to miss them and there'll be more. All right. Thank you so much. JD and I want to thank our fabulous producers at I Am Music Group. And for all of you out there who want to do your own podcast, go to iammusicgroup.com and the team will hit you back. 
please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller.